welcome to Play on K, the Korean drama podcast with Emily and Raquel. And this is the show where we take a K-drama, we watch it four episodes at a time, and then we get together here every week to talk about it. Yeah, this week we watched the final four episodes of Mr. Sunshine. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I was prepared. We knew it was going to be sad. We've heard... We've been in the K-drama scene, we've heard things about this show, and we knew to avoid it at all costs. And yet here we are, at the end. Watching it, hurting ourselves, knowing that we did this to ourselves, but still hurting. It hurts so good. I, I... cried one million tears. <laughs> I cried one million tears. I mean, I genuinely didn't cry as much as I thought I would. I will say that. I... How how were you feeling? I cried at parts I think I... It's not necessarily that I cried at parts I wasn't supposed to cry at, but I definitely didn't cry at all of the parts that I should have. Mm -hmm. um, for example, there were a lot of major character deaths that were very beautiful and perfectly done and very sad, but I often saw them coming. And, I don't know, I, I think that they gave most of their characters, like, such a good character arc that it didn't completely destroy me when some mm. of the main characters died. But I cried, just like ugly cry sobbed, at parts where no one died, but I just thought were so beautiful that I, or like, maybe someone just died, but I wasn't crying over their death. Yes, I feel like I have realized I don't cry over characters' deaths. We had, like you said, major characters, especially Dong Mei, Eugene, and Hui Sung, kind of back to back, they all died. And I found that I didn't cry at those deaths, but I did cry at people's reactions to people's deaths. That's yes. what gets me. Like Dong Mei carrying Hinakudo she dies and I'm not crying. I'm okay. I can hold it together. Dong Mei asking, are you asleep? I'll just let you sleep a little while longer. That wrecks me. Yeah, that ugly cry. Fully ugly cry. hideous cry. Miss Haman, I assume the part you were maybe referring yes. to. The doesn't part get I you. No, no, no. That was hard, but I was- they were talking about how they were about to die. I was prepared for it. What I wasn't prepared for was- I mean, Aishin's reaction was very difficult, and the final words of Miss Haman talking about how her life was for this beautiful child that grew up so well, and that will never be- like, she, she's so happy to give her life for this, that was also rough. What made me fully just, like, tears plus snot plus severe dehydration <laughs> later on cry was the people of Korea lining up on the streets to protect a Shin, who has been protecting them for so long, um, so that she could have an extra moment to mourn the woman who essentially raised her. You, me? Same. <laughs> Gone. I was gone. Yeah, and then Eugene's speech during that part about how the Korean people aren't broken and God is with them and 
and it being the same speech as we saw at the beginning of the series when the Korean army was getting obliterated. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> ah! <laughs> I'm not mentally prepared. I, I can never predict what's going to destroy me, but destroy me it does, even more so, for the lack of the ability to know it's going to just hollow me out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know how I'm supposed to live after this show. Yeah, what, I mean, what do we do? I guess just rewatch it and do a second podcast about it, right? That's what <laughs> we said we so. were going to do the rest of the year, was just rewatch this. Just keep watching this. We'll do one episode at a time this time so we can do it some justice because, as always, with our finale episode, I'm finding it almost impossible to think of what happened in the first two episodes. I, I only have memory space for the last two episodes. Yep. I did take notes, um, but I took notes, I feel like, now that I'm looking at them, on the weirdest shit I could think of. <laughs> oh, no. I was just like, I gotta remember to mention that I think their wedding rings look weirdly modern. Yeah. Those are some crazy wedding rings. For the time? Yeah. Just wild. I just feel like at that time, at that pe- time period, it was more common to just have a gold or a silver band. Mm. Um, or, like, if we're getting really fancy, maybe something engraved, you know? But to have... Something like two rings sculpted into an infinity band. <laughs> it just seemed a little extra. Beautiful, but mm-hmm. yeah. You'll have to look that up because I know nothing about jewelry history. And someone yeah. might be like, no, that's totally, that was 1907. 100% they nailed the rings on that. And I would be okay. happy to be wrong. But yeah, yeah they did seem very Hard to make. Yep. Um, another thing I took a note on, we don't have to go through my notes in order, but I just want to get a couple of the more stupid ones out of the way early. <laughs> okay. Uh, last week when we did the recording, we forgot to mention that they fully stated Asian's age, so we didn't have to do math. They did it for us. She's like 28 or 29. Mm-hmm. Around the middle of the K-drama. So she is well into her 30s by the time the K-drama ends. Impossible. Mm-hmm. Yes. That woman is 18. Yes. 100%. She is baby. <laughs> she is baby face. But, you know, part of me sees it. I think she's got that perfect Korean ageless face that you're like, okay, I could be convinced that she's 30. Can I say Hui Song's fiance at the end of the show the first time he sees her or at least the first time his mom sees her she's like the the taylor girl that's at the house i was like that girl's 14 and his mom's like can my son marry that girl i was like no no he cannot (laughs) she is very young keep your 30 whatever year old son probably 40 whatever year old son at this point who's to say not me um (laughs) Keep him away from 14-year-olds. And then it's like, oh, no, she's an adult. She's an adult. And, yeah, he's going to marry her. But she does look even younger than Aishin, which seems Against impossible. 
she looks the same age as the little girl that Asian yeah. hangs out with sometimes. Mm-hmm. Domi's older sister, who also yeah. has a name. Yes. Uh, Sumi? Sumi. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not okay. No. <laughs> I recognized so many actors embarrassingly late Ooh. in the game. Um, I recognized two actors from the K2. Wow. And one of them was a big character in this and a big character in the K2. And I did <laughs> not realize until late in the game. Um, but the first one I recognized was the small... Of course, for some reason, I recognized like the smaller time, like smaller character. The bell ringer, who is also part of the Righteous Army, was one of the agents in the K2. He was like the K2's closest buddy as far Aww. as the agents go. Um, and he was also in this. And then I started thinking about the K2 and I was like, oh, that is how I know. Oh, shoot. His name is escaping me. The Potter, who's leading the Whoa. Righteous Army. He was the villain in the, well, one of, there were a lot of villains in the <laughs> K2. But he was kind of like the end game villain, sort of. Oh, I don't remember that at all. I need yeah. to, I have a lot of preparation to do for our bonus episode. I have some very fun facts to spring at you, but I'll save them for the bonus because I'm freaking stoked for it. Same. I read some articles that I'm excited for, but they're definitely like bonus material, bonus episode material. Yeah. We'll try and, we'll try and keep it on show stuff for now because there's so much content. Oh my God. Yeet. We just watched four movies in a row. We just watched four movies. I watched all four movies in one day, like a fool. <laughs> no. I was drained, both physically and emotionally. I was drained of all the water in my body, and I was <laughs> drained just like I couldn't feel any more feelings for 24 hours. I get that. I'm looking at my notes, and apparently Takashi Mori died in these four episodes. I have no mm. memory of that. It was fleeting, which is crazy, because he felt like a, like an end boss and right? i know that it's history so it's not so much like they created a bad guy that they just happened to kill off really quickly but it was like a real person in history that was oppressing people and then he had an even bigger boss over him but that said i just felt like he was going to be so much more disastrous than he i mean he was pretty disastrous he did yeah. some damage before he went out <laughs> But still, Wanik, Lee Wanik was the bad guy for the first, like, 16 episodes or something. And then we get an even worse bad guy. And you and I are shivering over here, like, what's he gonna <laughs> do that's gonna be even worse than Lee Wanik? And then he's gone in, like, two episodes. Yeah. that He okay. wasn't even hard to take out. <laughs> like, <laughs> Eugene just showed up in Japan, just, like, popped in. Hey, Japan, what's up? Good to see you. Yes, I'm married now. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Bang. Out. I mean, dope. I'm here for it. But wow, I thought that would be harder. Yeah. Huh. They had much more trouble with Aishin's enemies than they did with Eugene's. Because yep. she's running away from the Musin Society. And Eugene has to shoot his way into the American embassy. Oof. That will make me nervous for the rest of time. Yep. 
That was one of the most nerve-wracking. In my mind, I also had just a moment, which I knew was so stupid, but he <laughs> shot into the window, and I was like, I hope Kyle Moore is okay. <laughs> <laughs> but that's fair. Like, shoot the brakes, bud. Yeah, it seems extra reckless to shoot the window. I get that you're trying to really make an impact, but I think they'll hear the gunshot, mm-hmm. and everyone will come out anyway. Um... They did do a flawless job with making um, Eugene's character like a ghost that could have existed in history Mm -hmm. by, first of all, having him removed from the American military dishonorable discharge due to his shooting at the legation, the U.S. legation in Japan. So, first of all, he's removed from that section. Like, who would write about that guy, you know? Mm-hmm. And then they had the part where they had the list of the army, the righteous yeah. army, that his name was on, but that list got destroyed or lost. And then they brought up that there was an like an American name on there or an English, a name in English. And uh, they said, oh, probably some missionary or something. He's not important. Mm-hmm. And I love that they set up a situation where we could believe, like, we know that Eugene is a fictional character, but they set up a situation in which so many real historical events that he had so much influence over happened, and then they also put in the disbelief, like, that, like, little sprinkle of disbelief that he may or may not have existed, and who will know, because in our fictional account. This is why he's not remembered in history. Mm-hmm. It's so beautifully it, done. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even think of that. But that is such a cool way to do it. To be like, prob- probably he's a very fictional character that we made up just for the purposes of this show. But there is the little chance that he was a real person who was erased from history. And none of you can prove it. So you're welcome. Ooh, that's so Ooh. cool. It's so creative, brilliant, the perfect way to write a fictional character into a real historical setting. Mm-hmm. Oh, my brain just went blank. I had something to say, but I forgot it. Whoops. Um, it must be nice for Aishin when the Emperor of Joseon is trying to save her back, like, save her whole ass from being killed in Japan. I like, when the Emperor himself. <laughs> he came through. I was really sad for him as a character in these last four episodes. He's had one of the most interesting character arcs of this whole thing, because in these last four episodes, he it's almost like he gave up on his country and was just trying to protect the people, but it's kind of like you can't have one without the other. Mm -hmm. But it was beautiful watching him reach that point where he just cared so much for his people that it was hurting him more to watch them die in a way he felt if there was any possible way he could prevent it he wanted to try so beautifully epitomized in that scene where the interpreter is reading off the names or reciting the names of the rebellious army and they are both just so beautifully torn apart by it all and it's not the end. It's obviously not the end of their country, but it's just so heartbreaking 
to see him keep trying, keep trying to redeem the country. And I loved that there were these characters that they labeled as the five traitors of 1905 and the seven traitors of 1907, who I assume are also historical figures. I'm curious if that would be something that, like, most students in Korea have studied those people. Everyone knows their names, kind of like Hui Sung said. Everyone will know their faces and their names all throughout history. They are the traitors of Korea. But it's, yeah, so heartbreaking to see so many people so close to the emperor working against him because he always had so many people on his side. That's the point of being the emperor. And as he slowly became a better and better person, everyone started to turn on him and he started to lose his closest allies. And it's so sad. It's so sad. But then he was gaining even closer allies, but it put them at risk to have him trying to, I don't know, defend them personally. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's just like, it's the perfect conflict. It's the like, it's heartbreaking. It's very political in a way that I didn't know that they could tie up the politics and the emotions of it all in such a almost poetic way. I don't know. It's just usually politics are about who has the power, but in the emperor's case, the politics were about who he needed to live for his own, I guess, emotional. I don't know, like not even his yeah. own emotions though, but like I, it's way more complicated than that. Mm-hmm. Oh, this turned into a lot more of a war drama than I expected it to be at the beginning. I think I didn't know what we were getting into. And then that battle that broke out in the streets after the military's disbandment was like, oh, okay, we're watching a war show now. That was easily the most heavy scene that I've ever experienced in a K-drama. And I think what's interesting about this K-drama is that the things that punched me in the emotions the hardest were not really about the made-up things, Mm -hmm. the made-up parts. It was about the parts that actually happened in history that... I mean, that's the thing, right? Usually when we watch a K-drama and something really sad happens, it can be like, But it's fine that this makes me sad because it's a fun made-up story and I will be okay after this. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't really feel okay. (laughs) I'm not going to feel okay for a minute. Here's us getting woke about Korean history and it is hard. Mm -hmm. Um, I think something that was really interesting in this show in particular, though, was their ability to keep you laughing. Like, somehow, in these last four episodes, there were still, like, laugh-out-loud scenes. And they, Against all the odds. There were much fewer. Against all the odds. But they were there. Mm-hmm. Which is insane. Like, this show was so funny at the beginning. I was laughing all the time, every other episode. And it definitely petered out towards the end. They definitely got a lot more serious and a lot more anxious. But for some reason, like somehow, some wonderful writers were like, but these people aren't just surviving. They're still living. 
and they still joke with each other, they still have fun with each other, and they still have friendships that aren't just life or death, we're just getting by. They are genuine relationships that bring these people joy. How? I I think it was beautifully done in that sense, too, because it raised the stakes, right? Because what they're fighting for isn't just Korea and honor, it's each other and their relationships and these people they care about so fully through and through and it it hurts <laughs> even the laughter hurts even it even hurts to laugh <laughs> ah. um i'm glad kyle moore lived yep yeah, he's a he's <laughs> one of my notes is gall darn hug Ky- quoted kyle moore american hero <laughs> <laughs> He really said the words gall darn hug. Oh, Kyle Moore. I've missed you. Give me a gall gall darn hug first. Okay, Kyle Moore. Kyle Moore, where are you from? (laughs) Who's been saying that around you? Who said those words to you? Hey, Kyle Moore. Are you... I think that that actor, I have not looked it up. I'm going to pause it now. A prediction. I think he is Canadian. And he uh, was playing a character of a an American warman, warman from back in the 18, 1900s. <laughs> warman. Warman. <laughs> and I'm not saying that, I mean, like, I love Kyle Moore so much, but moments like that, where I know it was probably in the writing, but he couldn't even sell it to me, you know? <laughs> Can I tell you a fun fact about Kyle Moore? It's my funnest yeah. fact. I'm going to ruin the whole bonus episode by just telling you now, because I got too excited. I'm ready. Jason got a little obsessed with him and looked him up, and apparently he is half Korean, and he is oh. like fluent in Korean. He's been in many Korean dramas and movies and i'm just out here thinking he's a true blood american he doesn't look half i mean he's beautiful like a half korean but he doesn't look half korean necessarily but i can see it now that you've told me once they take those lightning blue contacts out it's a lot easier (laughs) to see yeah i remember him being the villain in descendants of the sun and he seemed, I don't know, he also had kind of an ambiguous race in that as well. Mm. So, because he was, I'm pretty sure he played an American in that too, but like an American who was stationed in, what was the fake country's Uruk. name? Uruk. Uruk. I don't remember any of that. I remember the country's name and that is it. <laughs> I just thought that was an amazing fact. I was like, are you kidding me? They have freaking, I don't know anybody's real names. I'm so sorry. I will prepare better for the bonus episode. But Eugene Choi and Kyle Moore out here being truly the most bilingual people I've ever seen. Yeah, what the what? (laughs) Just, I mean, Eugene's trilingual, at least. He probably also speaks sign language or something. I don't know. Yeah, I did. I pulled up his IMDb page. Uh, just because I was so interested to know more about him. And it does say 
I'm pretty sure it said that he was fluent in Chinese, English, and Korean, of course, because he's from Korea. Uh, so he's not fluent in Japanese, but... He speaks it, like he is, and I hate him for that. Yeah, he sold it. So. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> ah, yeah, Jason spent hours watching interviews with him last night. Really? Yeah, he's very obsessed with all the people in this show. I That makes me so happy. I'm so happy that he is so fully in this. Now I want to watch interviews with him, but I'm going to let Jason tell me about it. <laughs> I think he's more prepared to talk about the historical stuff. Ah, uh, that, that's probably fair. I am curious if, because I did look at one historical thing that I'm bringing to the bonus episode, and I'm really, really curious if he's already researched it and knows it way better than I do, so I'm sure he has. <laughs> I have no idea. He's definitely more familiar with Japanese history than Korean, but mm. he's very excited about this show and is willing to look up every fact about it. Yes, <laughs> every single one. Every single one. That makes me so happy that you loved it that much. Uh, it was such a good show. Like, our listener emailed us and said that he got his wife to watch it with him. He's like, usually we don't like the same dramas. So I was super stoked that she would watch this one with me. And I was like, I am too. I am weirdly excited. I want everyone's significant other to be dragged into K-drama world with this drama. Yep, I'm going to rewatch it and make my boyfriend watch it with me. So, because everyone has to see it. I thought about having my dad watch it. (laughs) I really did. And then I was telling him about it and how it takes place during a real historical, like, it obviously is very fictionalized, but it takes place during a real historical event where Korea is occupied and being colonized by Japan. And, uh how they're committing really terrible atrocities like war crimes against Koreans and how heartbreaking that is to watch and know that it that it happened and how difficult it is but also how much I'm learning and I don't know that a K-drama is like the best place to learn stuff uh so probably I should do real research too (laughs) but I'm learning so much about what has happened Mm -hmm. um And he turned to me and he said, aren't those usually, like, soap operas or something? (laughs) It's like, um, I don't know. You're not entirely wrong, but... Yeah. (laughs) Man, you just minimized my deepest love to the smallest level. Thank you. It just is so much... I mean, I just feel like soap operas usually deal with, like, someone's brain being transplanted into a different person... And that person has had, like, six babies with this other person, and one of the babies, well, two of the babies was a set of twins, and those twins become mortal enemies who fall in love with the same person, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, you know? And that is not K-dramas. I will say that sometimes they have their own flaws, but that's not K-dramas. Mm-hmm. These are art, Dad. Hey, Dad? You'll never understand. You'll never understand. (laughs) If that's what you think these are, you're a fool for that. (laughs) 
But I do feel like he'd probably like it if he gave it a chance. Yeah. I'm sure he'd get a little bored with the romance part. So, like... But I feel like they really... That was very secondary by the end of the show. Oh, yeah. Just complete background. It was something that I always... My favorite dramas always involve a love story, but it's not about their love. Their love is just something that propels the story in a certain direction, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think this show uh, really walked the line for me because something that I appreciate about that method, which I would agree, I really prefer when there is a relationship and the drama happens outside the relationship and all these crazy things are pressing down on them and they fight through it to stay together versus dramas where all the drama happens within their relationship. That gets tiring to me. And I think this drama towed the line between the two, which got frustrating sometimes. It always felt valid and realistic to be like, yeah, they're constantly being forced apart and choosing to come back together. It was realistic, but it was still kind of frustrating where I was like, there's so much happening can we just say they're together? Can we just say that? Like, by the end, they got married, and they're obviously not together very often, but there is that that set, that constant that you know that they're married, and every time they see each other, they're going to kind of joke about how they're husband and wife now, and it's very cute, and they're together forever. Whereas I feel like before, like... Obviously, marriage isn't everything, and it's not for everyone. But before, I think they had that same dynamic, but every time they would be apart for any amount of time, they would be like, is this the end for us? I don't know if we're together anymore. And I was like, but you just could be. I don't know. But, like... Yeah, like, you could just either... I. It's almost like I'd prefer them to just be together and be doing whatever they want to do but just acknowledge that they will always love each other the most and that they aren't going to have another relationship outside of each other so they may as well just be devoted to each other no matter what country they're in or what's happening or whatever instead of the whole like we can't be together because I have this thing I have to do and it's like well being together isn't always being in the same place yeah that's what I needed I needed episode three for them to put those wedding rings on and be like clearly we're in love and we're gonna stay in love no matter what happens no matter we'll be driven apart but we'll still be together and in love yeah because i think they exemplified that me just a dumb potato person needs them to put a ring on it needs them to put a label on it so that i can be satisfied and know That they know that they're in love. I have a big question about if something makes me a monster. Okay. Does it make me a monster that I'm a little upset that they never kissed once in this drama? (laughs) Like, what even is a kiss, you know? It shouldn't be that important to me. But it is. And I know historically, probably, it just wasn't something that people often did even, really. Mm. And I also know that maybe historically plus culturally, it wasn't something people often did. And 
layered on top of that, um, it it wasn't needed to know that they are in love. It's not like we ever doubted that they were in love because they never kissed. I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> I think I'm broken. I get it, though. I'm somewhere in the middle where I definitely wanted it for my own personal needs. Just, like, make them kiss. Make it happen. But at the same time, watching that final scene where Eugene is leading the Japanese guards to the last train car, and he never says, I love you. It just feels like they knew what they were doing and they had the best writers imaginable write this show because they never had to say all the things that you expect to hear in those very intensely romantic moments and they never do the things you expect them to do and I love them for it. Yeah, it is pretty magical. That writing is outstanding. Though I will say, I do wish outside of kissing and actually outside of everything else, I just a li- there's a part of me that wishes that it was part of the plot and I don't know how they would have executed it well. So it's not like I'm upset it didn't happen this way. But I had this thought sometime around episode 23 that maybe, just maybe, Aishin and Eugene would, maybe they'd both survive or maybe neither of them would survive or maybe only one of them would survive. But I thought that whatever combination happened, it might show them at some point having a baby together. Because I thought maybe that baby would then grow up to be, to to continue the fight, I guess. Because it's not until like 12 years later, so the baby would be kind of young at the point that um, the, the kind of... There's there's the a name for scene. it. I'm, yeah, in 1919, which mm-hmm. is kind of a history thing that can be talked about in more depth in the bonus episode. But that was significant because that was the year that um, Korea had a, a peaceful uprising against the Japanese mm. that were still occupying their country 12 years later, um, which is rough. <laughs> but also, yeah, it was like a big... Like, there was a reason. I I didn't realize the significance of the year. I was just like, oh, look, it's Domi, and he's still visiting Eugene's grave. That's really sweet. Oh, yeah. But there was, yeah, there was significance to it. He's, fi- like, he's continuing the fight for them, but he's doing it, like, at a histor- historical period in time that mm. is significant for the country. And maybe you knew that and also looked into it. Did but. not. Did not know any of that. <laughs> But I feel like that might have been their compromise to what you wanted. Like, for instead of them having a baby, we all got Domi. Yeah, Sweet little baby everyone's Domi. baby. <laughs> and he grew up to be the most beautiful human being in history. Mm-hmm. I definitely recognized that face, but I could not tell you where from. <laughs> he out. looked a lot like, um, I can't remember any actor's name. His, mm-hmm. I know his surname is Song. Um, but he looked a lot like um, the actor in Descendants of the Sun okay. song, of the Song Songs, who are now <laughs> divorced, but I still refer to them as the Song Songs. <laughs> they were together once. Yes. That's fair. Yeah, he's a little baby version. Yep. 
Find out on the bonus episode who that actor is. (laughs) What? I feel like this show, and I've seen other shows that do this very well, so this isn't the only one, but it is worth mentioning that this show did an excellent job at leaving no loose ends. Every single character got a finale. Every Yeah, there wasn't a single, we know how every story ended. How? Like, I didn't think there would be enough time. Yeah, even tertiary characters, even the tailor that was making the suits the whole time <laughs> got a freaking ending. Like, the nurse. The nurse? We weren't sure if she was good or bad because at one point she was working for a pretty bad doctor, but it turns out she was Korean and actually really cared, and she got an ending. Mm-hmm. I um, thought they'd forget well, about Domi for sure. And then they're like, no, no freaking way we're forgetting about Domi. It's Domi. It's Domi. Because, I mean, there's a part of you that's like, it's been a couple years. And I think that's something that would have been maybe a little bit stiff if they'd been like, he is two years older and trying to either use the same child actor or trying to explain that this new child actor who is two years older is Domi. Yeah. They were like, he's gotta go missing for a while mm-hmm. until he's an adult man. Because we ha- we're we not gonna cast another Domi. No. He gets two. <laughs> and that's plenty. Thank you. <laughs> so good that they gave him an ending. And the right and left hand of Aishin, I remember Miss Haman's name. But I can never remember the mister's name. It's long-ish. It's like a hungering? H- Wongering? No. It, no. I don't, no. I'm not going to try again. Because I might already trying. have to edit out the bad attempt I just made. So. <laughs> I don't think it was bad. We'll just uh, not say it. <laughs> not say <laughs> any more guesses. Two is plenty. <laughs> But those two left to take the aunt and the cousin to Manchuria, and you kind of thought that was the end for them. This show's like, no, I'm sorry. Nobody gets a lame ending like that, except yep. Asun. She was a lame character, and that's fine. Ship her off. We don't have to say goodbye. Yeah. And still, it was like a pretty decent ending for the character that she was. Because mm. she got her grandpa saving her from her abusive husband, and then she, yes, got shipped off to a safe spot. It's more so. than you deserve, Aishin. Yeah, for real. You say Aishin much... and Aishin the same. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. I mean, they named their kids the same freaking thing, though, <laughs> with one... One romanized character difference. (laughs) We say as if that's not very popular in America. Right. What's up, Taylor and Tyler? What's up, all the Kardashians? (laughs) I think I had a dream last night. Sorry, I was sidetracked. I have very vivid dreams nowadays. I think that's a side effect of pregnancy is really vivid dreams. And I remember arguing with Jason about the names of the Kardashians, and we were so (laughs) convinced that there were two or or three of them that were just named the same. 
<laughs> that there were like three Chloes, and I was like, that's so confusing. Why couldn't they pick more names for their children? Like, what if they he was so all right. Chloe? Yeah. yeah. He was like, no, I'm pretty sure that one of the youngest ones is also named Chloe. They just like circled back <laughs> to that. Um, kind of uh, on the same topic, but still a complete sideline. <laughs> uh, I straight up have, so my mom has eight siblings, which is insane. I know it's a huge family. They're Mormon. It's a thing. <laughs> Um, so she has this massive family, and the second son in the family is named Brian. And then they had a whole bunch of kids. They had one more son, adopted two girls, had two girls, and then had another son. And by the time they circled around to the second to last son, so the second son and then the second to last son, they named him Ryan. Oh no. It is that is a brother. Like you just gave two of your kids the same name, a name you liked so much, you gave it to two of your kids, but you just took one of the letters off. <laughs> mm, so mean... actually I can't throw stones at them uh <laughs> really necessarily because my family at least they're cousins. Mm. Um, I do have two cousins that have the same actual name, not oh, just no. like a little difference, but I have uh, 48 first. Uh, nope, that was, I think, 10 more than I actually have. I have 38 first cousins That's on that plenty. side of the family. Yeah, so they had to repeat names a couple times. <laughs> I won't hold it against them. They ran out. They ran names. out. Hopefully of normal names. Utah yeah. names can get pretty creative in terms of deciding what constitutes a name. <laughs> so if they can just stick with the regular names, I don't mind repeats. Yeah. Yeah, they are all named normal names. I can't think of any cousins I have where I was like, why would you name a child that? All like, <laughs> That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. I'm proud of your family. Yeah, they're doing great. <laughs> um... I thought if anyone was making it to the end of this K-drama, it was going to be Hina Kudo. That's fair. I didn't think she'd die in the explosion, at least. No, I thought maybe she'd go a different way, because there was a whole thing about her getting to survive it. Mm-hmm. So it seemed like maybe... Because she was going to just be blasted to death. And then she was like, oh, there's another option, because Aishin's going to help out? Great. Maybe I'll do that instead. And you're like, yeah, Hinakudo, because you need to live. Nope. <laughs> Rip your heart out, Hinakudo. Yep. Okay, Hinakudo. It's fine. I wanted to see you live, of all the characters. Really, the only one who made it was Aishin, as far as the main cast goes. Mm-hmm. So, good job. <laughs> we like Aishin, but it was a bold choice. Yeah. Yeah, it was. That she was literally the only one that lived. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. This The ending was also flawless. I'm really glad she lived and trained more members of the Righteous Army to continue to resist and yeah. try and restore sovereignty to her country. She had a really great arc, and I'm really excited yeah. for you to rewatch the show. 
and see what a, what a dong may call her, like a spoiled, protected child she started as, even unknowingly, where she's like, no, I'm trained in guns, so I'm pretty set. <laughs> but it's not until Eugene really enters her life and starts asking the questions of, why are you fighting? What are you fighting for? What does your perfect Korea look like? That she really starts to find her way and come into herself. And it is validating. By the end of the show, we're so happy that she's the one that gets to survive. I think it makes a huge impact as far as who's going to keep the legacy going. Great choice. Yeah. She's the one who believes in the cause. It's like every other main character was working to support her because they loved her and they believed in her. And then she believed in the cause for them. Beautiful. Full circle. We'd love to see it. We would also just a little bit like Hinakudo to also live. Because she had a turnaround as well right at the end there. Where she's like, actually, I think I'll be on your guys' side in a big way. And then she dies. <laughs> Immediately. Immediately. She makes a pretty big impact, but... Uh, come on. I mean... Goes out with a bang, if you will. <laughs> oh no. Raquel, don't. Raquel. Hey, Raquel. <laughs> come on. <laughs> Respect for the Have dead. Some class. Um, it's for the best that she died, though. I feel like she would have just been hunted her whole life pretty big crime there that she committed and she would have had a hard time i don't like i said with dong may i don't know if i said this on the podcast but he died a few too many times for my liking and when he ended up in the opium den to me it was like i'd almost rather he would have just died i don't want to see him in an opium den in manchuria and same for hinakudo I would rather she die on a beautiful beach confessing her love to Dong Mei rather than see her live just a little bit longer and survive in hiding, maybe in an opium den in Manchuria. That seems to be their go-to as far as hideouts for these criminals. I don't want that for her. That is the best part about... I mean, her death was really beautifully handled, too. I just, and it hurt me. I, I did, that was one of the only main ones that I cried at, mm -hmm. like, as we previously stated. But it wasn't her so much as just the aftermath of death. Yeah, Dongmei's reaction to it, which in turn made me cry a lot, or at least a bit, at Dongmei's death, where I wasn't crying mm. so much for him dying. I was crying, thinking, who is going to mourn Dong Mei? There's nobody no left. One that, yeah, no one that cares about him uh, survived. Because they also, I was pretty bummed that Yujo didn't make it. Mm -hmm. Especially that he didn't make it because he went back to find Dong Mei. That he went after him. Yeah, that's rough. Also, that's a tough way to go out, Dong Mei. Like... At that point, I feel like it really sealed the deal that he didn't want to live in this world anymore, but... Just one final blow. Like, can we just leave yeah. Dong May alone? <laughs> He's having a hard time. Um, 
I think perhaps the perhaps it's so hard to say because everyone had such a beautiful character arc and there wasn't a single moment of the show wasted or written poorly but the character arc that um was the most moving for me was probably Hui Song's mm. character arc uh specifically because he went from being aimless and frustrated and really not caring about anything that had meaning in life um to being the way the truth got out to people and his little goodbye when he was putting together his box of truths that he wanted to be sure survived um he said something along the lines of i am so honored to have known every single one of these people all of my friends and i was like okay his character arc was so good because he he learned, I guess, or like maybe he always knew but didn't have anything to care about or didn't have anything he felt had meaning. But he, he learned to um, only joke about the stuff that didn't matter or joke in a way that or act like, a, like things didn't matter when it served a purpose. Like when he was dying and he refused to give up any of the names or the location of um, of the box of truths and just really beautiful little moments where it's like he was always himself from beginning to end, but he just yeah. learned when to care. That's such a good way to put it because you see some of his final words being, I've always loved beautiful but useless things. And that is the same thing he said when he very first came to the Glory Hotel. But it hits so differently. You can see how much he has changed around that idea and what that means to him now versus what it meant to him then. And it, yeah, I loved his arc so much. I think they all found a lot of purpose. I think that's one really big thing that I loved about Eugene's arc as well where it was very hard to see him back in America dishonorably just discharged and just kind of wandering the streets and he's like this is how I could die or I could choose to die for something that matters to me and choosing to go back to Korea which I'm sure was no easy feat and choosing to protect Aishin for the rest of his life he just had so much purpose it uh definitely watching this show made me a lot more self-conscious about not knowing what my purpose in life is because dang you guys raised the stakes up to 11 and every single character is like i know what i want to live and what i want to die for um okay cool proud of you i don't yeah yeah, no, I am doing nothing. I have a podcast, so <laughs> what's podcast. up? Um, and yeah, not to invalidate my own life and my own choices because I'm proud of the life I'm living, but it just feels like a show that you can take a lot from and you can learn a lot about making decisions for your life from. Sort of. In the way that it inspired me, but also, like, I, I still don't know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I just wish I knew what I was doing. <laughs> I just wish that I had a purpose that I 
Yep. Oh, Mr. Sunshine, you know how to hurt a person. (laughs) On so many different levels. But yeah, I just feel like I want to pick something and go full force into it with my whole heart. Because that's what Mr. Sunshine would want me to do. Just make a choice and stick with it. I'm reading way too much into this show. Is it a (laughs) self-help book? I don't think so. (laughs) It's changed me. (laughs) Am I taking way too much from it? I think I am. I definitely am. Uh, It's now my new uh, moral compass. If you're not helping a country gain its sovereignty, then what are you doing? If Hui Song wouldn't be proud of you today, are you going to be proud of you today? (laughs) I don't don't know. I don't think so. (laughs) I don't think I can. I'm sorry, Hui Song. I'll try again tomorrow. I just want want to make him proud. (laughs) He died for us. I just want to make him proud. Us being me and the rest of the people on the photos in the box. (laughs) Us. Together. (laughs) All of us. us. The righteous army. (laughs) Yikes. I may have put myself way too much in this show. (laughs) Didn't we all? Didn't we all? Uh, If you guys want to tell us how much Mr. Sunshine meant to you... Send us an email at playonkpodcast at gmail.com. If you have a short crisis to share about (laughs) how this show is maybe ruining your life, you can tweet at us at playonk or find us on Instagram at playonkpodcast. We have our website where you can comment on episodes, sign up for newsletters, find the link to our Patreon, find links to our affiliates. Uh, That is all at playonk.com. If you want to visit our Patreon directly, it's patreon.com slash playonk, and that's a way you can directly support our podcast and what we do, as well as get access to lots of bonus content. Yeah, and then we also are on lots of different places that anyone who listens to podcasts would probably know, like Stitcher, Blueberry, iTunes, and Spotify. On most of those platforms, you can rate, review, or subscribe, or you can do multiple of those things, and any little bit really helps us out, and we really appreciate it. Yeah! Thank you so much for listening, and thank you for watching this show with us. We appreciate all that you've been through. Join us next week for the bonus episode of Mr. Sunshine.